Hey, if you enjoyed my episode on IEPs and you want to listen to more podcast episodes about IEPs, I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season, the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ertube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. You might have heard me talk about IEPs on my episode, and this latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I checked out these episodes, and I think that they are a great place for you to go after listening to mine. They go into a little more detail and answer a little more in depth about what an IEP is and whether your child needs one. So listen to Understood Explains by searching for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Hello, you sentient balls of stardust. Welcome to Struggle Care, the podcast about self-care by the host that hates the term self-care. Today, I have a guest with me, Julie Lousy. I'm so frazzled today because I literally just picked up one of my kids from school because the power went out. Of all things. Anyways, but I had rescheduled you like twice already. So I was like, I can't do that to Julie. So we may have a... I mean, you could. We may have a little co-host at some point. <laughs> but yeah, but I didn't want to. I was so excited because you recently... So Julie is the bossy mom, right? Yeah, I am... The bossy house? Good God, y'all. I have not taken my Vivans. I have not had any <laughs> coffee. I've been running around like... I woke up, first of all, I am a little bit sick... I woke up from a dream about talking NyQuil bottles and just immediately was like, I must film this. And instead of preparing for this podcast like a freaking professional, I spent over an hour this morning filming a TikTok about talking NyQuil bottles. And... <laughs> Let's back up. We know each other on TikTok. So like, number one, that's totally appropriate. <laughs> we are TikTok friends, which, you know, that makes sense. And I am a schools person. So I do this bossy house project totally on the side. So I am a co-founder and chief of schools of a small charter school organization in New Orleans. We are in a 100% public charter school district. So... <laughs> The bossy house started because friends of mine said to me, I feel like a boss at my job and a mess at home. You seem like you know something about this. You're a school principal. Can you help me? And I totally got it because when I had my daughter, I was a school principal three years into a school turnaround project. And I was pretty organized at home, but I, she was a surprise. She was a welcome, wonderful <laughs> surprise. But I like, you know, I was a mess. I was overwhelmed. And I hadn't done the work of putting in place at home what I'm actually an expert at at work, which is systems. So once I did that, I started kind of feeling better about work and home. And now that's what I help families do, put systems in place at home. So I started TikToking about it. And that's how we met. And we both do ridiculous things on TikTok. Like, I don't know what your NyQuil project is. Talking NyQuil bottles. But I cannot wait to see it. So, well, oh, my God. Anyways, the <laughs> here's what I love about your story, though, is that I resonate with it so much. Most people know I've been a therapist for a long time. But what I also did while being licensed for a couple of years was do compliance consulting for healthcare. 
making sure that everybody's following all the little rules. And there's so many little rules that you have to build these systems. Yeah. And the systems have to have ways of like checking in and keeping up and double, you know, checks and balances and reminding you. And <laughs> yes. And I actually really, really loved that work. And so I relate to that idea of, okay, I'm so good at this at my job. But for me, I mean, I've just, I've always been a messy person. I've always been a little bit scatterbrained and it does, it's never bothered me. Like I would do the dishes every few to several days kind of person. It really wasn't until I had my second daughter that that became not functional. And I feel like that's a lot of people's stories, whether it's kids or a pet or an illness. Yep. And once you like there are two things I felt and one of the things I felt was, I think, correct. And the other was BS. One of the things I felt was the work is too much and I can't do all this stuff. Plus have any shred of the life I used to have before I was a parent, like read a book or like watch a TV show or like have a friend. The other thing I felt was like, I can't go to bed at night with the dishes in the sink. What is my mom would never have done that. Or I can't have a rich coffee shop life anymore. I'm a mom. <laughs> My baby can't just like go with me to the coffee shop on Saturday mornings or like kind of what mom life is supposed to be. Or like, I can't, you know, you know, like my three-year-old knew what a croissant was. I never ate out as a kid. My parents didn't raise me that way. The expectations that I grew up with as a parent, I started feeling the pressure of what that's supposed to be. And so all those things kind of came together, you know, every mom Every parent is trying to figure out, like, what am I going to, how am I going to do it? And the pressure on you and the things you try to figure out how to relieve the pressure and how you're going to do it. And then, like, all of our friends and our TikTok friends <laughs> and all of the people in our lives who are sort of in-person influencers trying to figure out how to make sense of it. And where I came out on the other end was we've all got to customize it for ourselves. And it's beautiful people like you who are helping folks relieve the pressure from doing it like our parents, right? And from doing it like the people have told us we have to. And I think that's where I've come out on the other side too, is I'm going to do it like I want to. And the dishes might stay there. You know, that might be how it is. Well, yeah, when you think of those two options of like, and I feel like a lot of people are in that place, even if they don't have kids, where it's like, okay, I have this job and this house and I have a social life and I want to do some activism and there's all the care tasks and I don't, I can't do it all. And I love how in your mind it was like, I don't have time to watch a TV show and I'm not allowed to leave dishes in the sink because it's those two ideas. Like it's that second idea causing the first. Like, actually, we can leave the dishes in the sink and watch TV. Right. But in my growing up life, and maybe many other people's, that's a lazy mom. A mom that sleeps in on Saturday instead of cleaning the house is a lazy mom. And so all of us are battling those demons, right? And, you know, I think that's the thing that is so freeing about sort of, there's so many wonderful things about internet culture and the world we're in. And there's so many hard things. Internet trolls aren't fun and the sort of criticism world we live in isn't fun, but also isn't it wonderful that moms today are exposed to many, many, many more ideas about what it means to be a mom than, you know, maybe our moms were. So here's what I want to do. I want to pause for a second. We're going to take a small break. And when we come back, I want to ask you about your daughter's table bedroom. <laughs> okay, good. Okay. <laughs> I've never met a free trial that I didn't like. The problem is, is that I often forget to 
get out of them before they start charging me. But I don't have that problem since I started using Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month, and I can clearly see my spending habits. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lower bills for you, up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll even deal with customer service for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of 500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash struggle. That's rocketmoney.com slash struggle, rocketmoney.com slash struggle. I have a six-year-old that's really into learning, learning books, learning apps, learning shows, but I'm really grateful to have found a learning podcast for her. From the creators of the hit kid podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild, comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited to a secret order of problem solvers. On an adventure through time, packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. My kid really appreciates these. They're only 15 minutes long, and she can stay engaged. She likes the characters. It's perfect for ages six and up. New episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kids won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Okay, we're back with Julie. And one of the main, like, I mean, I've always wanted to have you on the podcast, but the TikTok that really pushed me over the edge was like, I have to contact her right now, is you talked about redoing your daughter's bedroom. And you showed a picture of it. And it was, and I, this is not hyperbole, all table. Yeah. There is this giant table that forms a U shape yeah. around three walls, three of the four walls. And there's like a little bit of space to stand in the middle. Yeah. And that is what the bedroom looks like. So tell me how this came about. Okay. Well, tell me what it looked like before. Well, okay. So it looked like everybody else's bedroom before, which is like... You know, well, first let's back up and talk about my daughter. Everybody's kid has their own special quirks and wonderful things. My kid is like a builder and I am a person who loves a system. And so we, uh, you know, her whole life, she's had a Montessori principal mom who had the like item baskets and the closet with the toys and we would rotate the toys, right? And ever since she was small, she would break into the closet and I would wake up at a reasonable hour on a Saturday and she had gotten herself up at the crack of dawn and had built something with every toy in her entire catalog. <laughs> Sounds like one of mine. And though you appreciate the artistry, you also, you know, like these are challenging things for moms. So her capacity for, you know, building bigger and bigger worlds challenged our space in our house. We live in a normal sized house. 
And she would build these things and never want to take them down and be on to the next thing. And where would she build them? Would she build them like on the dining room table? Yeah, dining room table. I mean, they would kind of move from one place to another. She would. And of course, we have stuff like her office is in our living room, which is where she would build more kinds of things. You know, she'd build these cardboard houses. She'd build, you know, she'd really loved and any container would get turned into other things. So a drawer would become an elevator. And so like, this is a mom who could not keep a system going for her toy storage. And the weeks that I wasn't just cleaning up after her, yelling at her to do it, doing it with her, giving myself like deep breath therapy, like, (laughs) you know, trying to wrangle it. And or deciding to let it go, and it would just turn into a pile of stuff. And so I struggled with this for a really long, uh, many, many years, and just, you know, trying to figure her out. And I don't know where I was. I think it was Hurricane Ida. So we were out of town. So for a year last, a year ago, right around now, we evacuated for Hurricane Ida, and then we actually lived with my parents in California for a month. We couldn't come home. And at that time, we were living in my parents' house (laughs) in a room, and we had so much less space. And she, we were really struggling with like keeping her stuff together in someone else's home. And I was kind of strategizing about all different kinds of things. And I started to have this idea about like, what if she just had way more space? I kept like fantasizing, like, what if we were really rich? (laughs) We just had a huge house or a huge room. And then I saw your TikTok about the Bright Room series. And I saw that uh, the drawers, and I had been thinking about some problems in her room. There were three different problems we were having. One of them was this like maybe we could make this room 10 times its size. But the other one was a drawer, what do you call it? A dresser drawer problem. So she, we had an old antique kind of like vintage dresser she couldn't open and close. And I was like, oh, that would be a really cool dresser. And I was like, oh, it's exactly the same height as this other organizational thing. Cause you know, Target has all these same things that are the same height. I was like, what if I just got five of them put him in the room and put plywood on top and just made the whole room a table. (laughs) And at the time her room had like a double bed in it. And she has actually just moved out of my bed into her own bed about a, you know, six months to a year ago. And she doesn't really need a double bed. Like what if I just put a twin size bed under the table? (laughs) So, I started with a really good friend of our family sort of sketching this out. I had this whole plan and we just bought a lot of plywood and made it happen. And so basically, you know, a twin bed is like 79 inches by 44. So imagine a 44 inch wide desk. I mean, it's so great because she has room for not only a workspace, but like she can't even touch the wall of that desk. So she's got like tons of storage for her Legos and then a whole workspace for her Legos. So this whole situation has solved the major problem of her building because she can do an enormous project and then leave it there. And it doesn't bother anybody. She can leave it there for a week. So the table has really changed our lives, I've got to say. 
<laughs> I love that. What I love about it is it really required forgetting everything we know about bedrooms. I know it seems so weird, but like we really do have this idea about what bedrooms are supposed to be like. And I'll never forget a follower that tagged me in a video where she said that I had inspired her. She said, you know, we come home every day and my husband and I love to watch TV together in the living room. And we have this couch and we want to lay down and cuddle, but the couch isn't big enough for that. And we don't have the budget to buy a bigger couch. And so they just kind of figured out what to do. And then they realized they just brought their bed into the living room. And they were like, this works for us. Like we make it in the morning. It looks nice. It's fine. You can still sit on it. But like what we really like to do when we come home is watch TV. And, you know, we have this big TV in the living room and there's not enough room for it in the bedroom. So we just moved our bed into the living room and put the couch in the bedroom. And I just thought that's so genius. Like rooms don't really have rules like we think they do. Yeah. And, you know, Casey, do you think we all got slightly more inventive because of the pandemic? Yes. Well, I know I did. Yeah, I do too. Because we spent a lot of time in this house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Being made to be there. And I think particularly for me, like I have such unchecked ADHD most of the time that I tend to hyper focus on things. And I was just in my house. There was nothing else to think about but my house and the ways it wasn't working for me and what rooms were doing. I mean, I'm recording this podcast from one of my daughter's closets because that's what I turned into my podcast recording studio. And the reason I could do that is because we don't use her closet for clothes because her clothes are in our ensuite closet because we have a family closet where every single, we have four people in our family, all of their clothes are in the same closet because that closet is off of the laundry room. And we just have various bins for everybody's clothes. And then we hang some stuff and we put in a, a changing table so that they can stand. And yeah. so I don't have to like bend over to help them button things. And it's close to the laundry. And it's right off the laundry room. Like there is a door from the laundry room to the closet. Did you invent that during the pandemic? Yes. And so that opened up two bedrooms in my daughter's rooms. One I turned into a podcast studio. The other one we use for storage because she has a ball pit that only comes out sometimes. And we did something similar. Like she had a queen size bed and we recently flipped it out for a twin bed because we realized that she's kind of getting to the age where she wants to play in her room and she didn't really have the space to do that. Yeah. And I mean, I love, I was listening to a story of a couple recently where they were like, we have separate bedrooms. Yeah. Like fully, they lived together for years. They had separate bedrooms. And I was like, good for you. Yeah. You know, I have a course called Be the Boss of Your Home. And a lot of people who take the course, the first thing we do is we sort of draw a like blueprint of your house. And then I invite people to kind of reimagine how they want to do it. And there were not as, I've never had as many students in that course reimagine things in the wackiest, most like amazing ways as during the pandemic. Because that kitchen table had to do so much heavy lifting during the pandemic. You know, moms would literally say to me, like, I can't do it anymore. I can't have the kitchen table be for all the meals and my work and my husband's work and the kids work. We need different work areas. Everybody needs to be. So like, we're doubling up the kids. All the kids are going to be in one room and we're going to have a different room for this. And I think it's really interesting because ideas of who should have private space change ideas of like what we need private space for change. Mm -hmm. Like, do we all need to sleep in separate places or do we need time during the day to be <laughs> separate, you know? Right. 
And like I are for the longest time, we had a toddler bed and or crib and an adult bed in every bedroom mm-hmm. because we were all we had a like an infant and a toddler and, you know, me who's super particular about sleep and my husband who sometimes stores. And it was like we were just playing like musical beds every <laughs> night. Like we're just figuring out what works. And I also, we have sort of an open concept living area that's not super big as far as like houses go. And so we have always elected to, instead of putting a dining room table in, we use that as the play area. I think it's really funny, Casey, that you are talking about this as if we don't all know what your living room looks like. I mean, we well, all not know. everybody knows. <laughs> Not everybody knows. But I mean, to me, that was such an intuitive thing because especially because our island was built so that part of the stone came like overhanged so that I could put bar stools. Oh, for like chairs. Right. And like my husband and I don't sit down at a table to eat dinner. We like to eat in front of the TV. So we got one of those coffee tables that like pulls up to table height. Oh, yeah. That's so cute. Yeah. So we either eat at the bar or we eat in front of the TV and the girls have their play area when when you have little, little kids, like you need to see them all the time. <laughs> so that was super helpful. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I did was I had this tiny, tiny coat closet. It was 26 inches wide. I mean, it was tiny. And for the longest time, we were using it like a coat closet because you just don't second guess things like that. And but like it was like the closet of no return. Yeah. Like it wasn't actually, it was like being used as long-term storage almost. Like we weren't really. Once you put something in there, it's gone. It's gone. And it was one of my only storage spaces downstairs. So I was like, this is ridiculous to be using. Like these things can all be stored on the third floor where no one ever goes. And I actually ended up getting a like over the door hooks Mm -hmm. for our coats to go outside the door. Cause I live in Houston. It's not even that cold here. Yeah. And I like used that closet for storage. And then recently I took it like one step further and actually had like the container store people come out and put shelving in it. And let me tell you, yeah, Julie, this has been life changing because I'm someone who like my island always has stuff on it. And that's fine. I feel like that's what countertops are for is to like have stuff on it. Yeah. But there was like I was running out of places for stuff to go and they came out and looked at this closet. So it's 26 inches wide. So that's like two feet wide. Yeah, there's not even a shelving unit you could even buy that would go in there. 18 inches deep. It's like a standing up coffin. We got 12 feet of shelving into this thing. Really? What do you... Huh. 12 feet of shelving. All right. Did you film this? Because we need a series on this on the TikTok. Yes, I I did. I got to see this. (laughs) Yes, because we put them like 16 inches high Mm -hmm. and we just went all the way up. And I didn't even go, I didn't even, so I'm like five foot two. I didn't even put shelves above what I could reach. And we still got 12 feet of storage in there. That's amazing. It's incredible. And it has changed my life. And I love what you said earlier when you were like, I'm not supposed to leave dishes in the sink. Because in my experience, and I think you'll agree with me on this, what keeps most people from making these like really creative functional changes to their house has, it's not that they're not creative. Right. It's that they haven't given themselves permission to think outside the rules about what rooms are supposed to be used for. That's right. You know, when you walk into my house, I live in kind of a, well, New Orleans houses are like Houston's houses, right? Like, so, you know, you walk into the living room, right? You just 
walk in. There's no entryway. <laughs> so here you are in the living room and there's in my living room, I have what I call my command center. And a lot of times people ask me like, why is all this crap in your living room? And they'll say like, you have a calendar, you have the kids schedule, you've got, what is all this stuff here? I'll say, well, this is how I run my whole life. I have all my systems right here. If I thought, well, my living room should be like, the house, the room in my house that we don't go in, that we keep nice for when that person is coming over who we're keeping that room nice for. I don't know if you had a room like that in your house growing up. <laughs> <laughs> then I would be following the rules. But why would I follow that rule? I'm going to customize my house for what I need to make my family functional. And so I think that when you can, and even, you know, this for me goes so far as don't go to Pottery Barn and buy the command center. You know, when you go buy that command center that has one calendar and there's two bulletin boards on the side and there's three little cups and there's, you know, two little shelves and you go put it on there and then you're just actually going to put your stuff into someone else's idea of what you need to organize your life. That's not even going to be good enough. You need to think about what do I need when I go in and out of this door? What does my family need visible on the wall? to help us organize our time. What is my partner and I, what do we need to talk about every Sunday to manage our week? Like what is our life need to go? Like for our, <laughs> we have a birthday calendar. I have it on the wall. My daughter manages our birthday calendar. It's been on the wall at, in the command center since she was born because it's always been there at some point when she was three and a half or four, she decided to start managing it. I'm not saying that like, you know, everyone's three-year-old should manage their birthday calendar, but she's the only other person in my house. So she <laughs> takes on some of the chores, but you know, this is the kind of, this is the work of a family. This is the kind of stuff you do to keep your family moving. You know, this is where you put stuff on Friday that you're going to take to work on Monday, right? You're not going to just like leave it on the kitchen table and then it gets piled under a bunch of stuff. You're going to have a landing spot for it so that you don't forget it on Monday, like that's what families need and getting used to the idea that our homes can have stuff in it. They don't need to look like the architectural digest. That's the name of it. You know, I like clear services because it makes my brain happy, but like you don't need your organizational systems to pretend that you don't live at your house. <laughs> so I like customized systems and I think, you know, having the container store come measure your space and build something exactly for what you need nearby so that it relieves the pressure on your counters is exactly the reason to customize something. I think that's brilliant. I had them build it at a depth where only one thing could fit. Oh, my heart. I love it. And I think you must be like me because a lot of people will ask me, like, why do you have all of this? Because all my system stuff are on my fridge. And people say, like, why don't you use an app? Why don't you develop an app? Why don't you have a Google sheet? And I'm like, it has to be visual for me. And so when I went into this little project of creating these shelves, I was aware of like, okay, I can't create this in a way where things just start disappearing again into this closet. Like, and just like in my fridge, like I realized like everything needs to be front row. Yeah. Like I can't have a bunch of things stacked behind other things or they just swallow it up. So I did it at a depth where it really is like one sort of basket of things. There's not other things behind it unless like at the bottom row is like toilet paper and paper towels. That's fine. But that was huge because I know myself and I think that's a big part of it is that you have to know what your limits are, what your barriers are. Part of us, we have three bedrooms on our second floor. One is our ensuite 
bedroom for me and my husband. And then, of course, the babies have the other two. And last night was the first night they slept in the same room. They have tried over and over and over. They really want to, but they just can't. They're two and four. It's hard. But last night they did. (gasps) And I'm let me tell you the party that I am throwing because I have waited for the day that these kids want to sleep in the same room because I realized that you know, when when you have a baby in a crib, yeah, they need their own space because otherwise they can't fall asleep. But once they get to that toddler age, I really realize there's no point of them having their own room at the toddler age. They play together, right? And it's the same stuff. And so I want to be able to put both of their beds in one of the bedrooms for a sleeping area that can stay calm and soothing with the blackout curtain so that the other room can be the play area where we can take the blackout stuff off the cu- shade like they have a place to go play that isn't just in the middle of the living room a place to play when i'm upstairs doing my stuff and so i've just it's like it's a really celebratory day at the davis house today this is amazing i mean it's going to be two steps forward three steps back you know that but this the fact that it worked once is like really good sign how did you make it work how did it ha- i mean now i want tips <laughs> so one of my youngest didn't feel very well And so we were having to go in over and over and over because she was crying and asking for mommy. And then like I kept putting her down and then the other one would like run into the room and her dad would be like chasing her like, I need to go back to your room. And so my older daughter was crying saying, daddy, don't leave. I don't want to be alone. And the little one was crying saying, mommy, mommy, mommy. And so finally she ran into the room and I just said, do you want to sleep in here? And she said, yes. We have a big bed in here too. So I let her lay down and we've tried this before, but then they start giggling together. But I think this particular night, like one of them's not feeling well. They're, they were both so tired yeah, that they were just, they were tired enough to just lay down. Yeah. Yeah. It's like batch processing your children's bedtime. I love it. Yeah. And just not, <laughs> not a peep, not a peep. Let me tell you. I love that. That's so great. My kiddo is not even able to do a sleepover. Let me tell you, this child has never, she is like her grandmother. And she's like her mother. She does not want to go to sleep. She doesn't want to miss a moment of life. It's like she just could stay up forever. Last night at 1030, she's like, I have read five books tonight and I'm going to read five more. I was like, no, you are not. <laughs> it's bedtime. She- <laughs> okay. So I have, I have a couple more questions for you, but I'm going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Okay. Are you frustrated by buying your kids clothes and having them grow out of them within a week? Do they itch, pinch, and they just aren't comfortable? Well, then you need to check out Posh Peanut. Made from this amazing bamboo material, the clothes are legitimately so soft and they stretch with your kids as they grow. They are four times stretchier than cotton. Made to last, loved by parents, and approved by kids. Posh Peanut makes thoughtfully crafted, beautiful and stylish clothing for kids and families designed in-house from beautiful florals to all of your favorite brands, such as Hot Wheels, Disney, Hello Kitty, and Barbie. Their pieces are made with that ridiculously soft fabric, and it even stays soft, wash after wash after wash. Right now, Posh Peanut is offering our listeners 20% off your first order with promo code STRUGGLE. Go to poshpeanut.com slash struggle and use promo code STRUGGLE for 20% off your first order. That's poshpeanut.com slash struggle, promo code STRUGGLE. Remember in 2018 when Border Patrol separated thousands of refugee kids from their parents, deported those parents back to their home countries while keeping the kids in the United States? 
Well, believe it or not, six years later, there are hundreds of families who have still not been reunited. Although we as a community may feel hopeless at times, I recently learned about an organization called Al Otro Lado, which works to reunify families. They provide holistic legal and humanitarian support to refugees, deportees, and other migrants in the U.S. and Tijuana through a multidisciplinary, client-centered, harm-reduction-based practice. Since 2018, they've reunified over 100 refugee families ripped apart by Trump's zero-tolerance policy. Once reunited, Al Otro Lado helps each family find legal representation, housing, and the counseling that they need in order to heal and get on their feet. You can find the link to donate to El Otro Lado in the description of this episode or go to gum.fm slash charity and donate today. You can also consider volunteering with the organization, which offers opportunities that are both in-person and virtual. The best way to get involved is by filling out an application on their website, alotrolado.org slash volunteer. That's A-L-O-T-R-O-L-A-D-O. Okay. So here are my questions. When you're working with people or people are taking your course about how to customize their home, how do you help people that say, you know, I really, what is functional for me in terms of what I need to do, the things I need to do is one thing, but then I feel anxiety Mm. when I look at stuff on the walls. I feel anxiety when stuff is on the countertop. And I mean, that's something that I hear a lot is that there's this kind of conflict between Yes, functionally, it would be really great to not have to put my blender away every morning. But I just have this hope and dream of looking at completely clear countertops. And I just feel anxious and wrong when there's stuff on it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's so individual. As you're asking me this question, I'm thinking of three different women I've worked with one-on-one. And so I could answer it three different ways. But, you know, sometimes I have found this is about mom getting a space in the house that's her own. Ooh, let's just stop there. That's really powerful. It's not about, oh, I, you know, I am superficial and I want clear countertops. It's not about, oh, I have anxiety. I want clear countertops. It's about, I just, my whole life for the past several years have been in service of my family. I am, you know, a great, everything's a workstation, But like, I just want some place in my house that I can make aesthetic and pretty that makes me feel calm. And when I put it this way, no one messes with it. No one comes and messes with it that I have to keep taking care of. I turned it this way and I came back in and there it is. Like this sort of like... An area you're not in service to 24-7. Yeah, that gives you something, right? An area that gives to you. So like maybe that's a closet. Maybe that's a, you know, maybe that's a corner of a room. That's a space. And so there are one-on-one clients that I work with around really finding the courage to tell your family that you require this in your home, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. And finding the courage and the confidence to say, this is something that I need to be able to be in this family, in this space, and to do all the service that I am doing and to do all the, you know, all of the very heavy lifting that happens when you have young children that you are in the middle of. So you know all this, what this means. People are hanging on you all the time and you're just constantly cleaning everything. Yeah. I think it's really smart of you to identify that for some people, that is what it's coming from. And then sort of gently steering them to this idea that maybe the kitchen isn't the best place to try and cultivate that at this season of your life. Right. That's right. And I mean, this is where like she sheds happened, right? It was just this area in the backyard. And it's like, you can have that in, right? And I think it's perfectly fine to say my children, 
you know, depending on ages. And I mean, I'm not saying be disrespectful of what other people need, but maybe your kids can sleep in the same room so that you can have your own room. Right. Your own sitting room. That's right. And I have felt this, you know, I have had my child in my bed for eight years. So like, you know, and many, many people have told me this is my own fault, but I, you know, it's a choice I made because of some struggles that we had in our, you know, family and some big fears that my child had. And it was easier than going in and out of her room a hundred times a night. And it was fine. And now I want this to be my space and I am bossy about it. Like, please don't take my covers on the floor. Please don't get in my bed. Like this is my space. And I felt like I couldn't do that for many, many years. And I have other places in the house that for sure are mine. But I think that when you are in the middle of uh, parenting young children, and perhaps there are other things at work, you see it as your role, you see it as your duty, you see it as you might be a stay at home mom of small children and you see it as sort of a gift. And so in like exchange for that gift, you don't get personal space or it's like you're trying to enjoy it because you're supposed to enjoy it. Like all these things are happening for us, right? But it is okay. I would also say there is this like rejection of luxury. Oh, I'm not like that. I don't need a luxurious, I don't need a she shed. I don't need a spa bathroom and it doesn't need to be luxury. It can just be a space that you don't have to clean up after other people. So we do that. Sometimes it's about that. Sometimes I think this is, I'm not a mental health professional. You are the mental health professional, but I know a little bit about this because I'm a school principal and I've worked with communities my whole career where minimizing distractions and minimizing clutter can really help with mental health issues. And so sometimes it's about that. So sometimes it's about figuring out where is this contributing to your mental health issues or your stress? And like, maybe you don't get to decide that the kid's room is an arena you're going to get to clear out, but you can decide that there are some services that you're going to say, this is a clear surface, right? So that's another thing. And then I would say the third thing is that sometimes we try to control things because we don't have boundaries around things in our house. And so a lot of times this is that fair play work of like, partners communicating around expectations for cleaning up and sharing the work. And I don't have a partner in the house. And so I'm not an expert on this work, but that's, we do do a lot of work around. I do work with my one-on-one clients around communication, around expectations around cleaning up and partnership. So I think those are my three answers when you say, how do you deal with people with anxiety around clutter and cleaning up? I love that. So I did something similar to make like a MySpace a few months ago where I redid my bedroom. I saw that. Little House on the Prairie. The Little House on the Prairie bedroom. It doesn't match any of the aesthetic in my house. And I thought, I don't care. That's fine. I want my inner child to be happy in this room. And um, one of my daughters sleeps with me, actually. And But it's been fine. Like what I did was I did the whole bedroom the way I wanted it. And then I got this chest. And I'm not usually a chest person because things just get turned into kind of a doom box, but I got them a chest for toys. Because, oh, in your room. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, at one and three, two and four, like the reality is, is like they're going to be playing in your bedroom while you're taking a shower wherever you are. And so I didn't want to go so far as to say like, you are not allowed to bring toys in here, but 
That's where I chose that like covered storage where it could go away and be away. And I think that's important. Like there are things in my life that I need to not disappear. I need to actually, they need to be like mentally permanent to me. But there are things in my house I do want to disappear. (laughs) (laughs) I want to not think about them. And so they have some toys in my room as well as this like big antique dollhouse that looks like it's part of the aesthetic. And all those toys go away. All those toys go away. Even though my daughter sleeps there, she has her own little cot. She sleeps in bed with me, but there's still a cot there. Just in case. Um, she, <laughs> she has a little cot. It was, I got it off of Amazon and we just drape a quilt over it, a little baby quilt. And it looks like it's part of the room. I love it. But I'm such a fan of that. I think that it took me a long time to get to the place of being able to think about aesthetics from a care perspective, because for so long, aesthetics were an obligation and a duty and a pressure and a place where I was failing if it didn't look like that. And even when I did feel good about what my house looked like, when I was really paying attention to like, what was I saying to my house when it looked good? Mm. It it was not connected to me. It was connected to, I'm doing it. I'm a good parent. Look at me. I'm pulling it Mm. off. It was just like cosplaying. You know what I mean? (laughs) And it's taken a long time of just kind of throwing aesthetics out the door and leaning into function. And two years later, it's like, I'm kind of got the function squared away. And it is, it was like this tiny little crack opened for what would it be like if this space had some beauty in it? But I feel like I had to go through that process of almost like not thinking about aesthetics at all. Oh, yeah. Before it resurfaced as something in service to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I also think that's the, what if, like, think about it if you had done it the other way. Like, you would be cramming your chore chart into, like, your little house on the prairies. (laughs) Like, you know, you would be backwards mapping for functionality and the frustration that comes when you're trying to layer on top of the aesthetic. Then the, yeah, the aesthetics wouldn't be doing anything for me because I'd be so stressed out that nothing worked. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that's huge. I also think one other thing when we're talking about kind of the anxiety of like, okay, I could make my space functional, but then like I'd have anxiety about the way it looks. I think it's really important for us to take seriously Anxiety. And I I am of the opinion that anxiety disorders are massively underdiagnosed in women because it is culturally acceptable for you to be fretting about the house. It is culturally acceptable for a woman to never sit down. It's funny how we laugh about how mom can't sit down to watch a whole movie with us because she has to be cleaning something. And I think Or she can't drink her coffee. She has to warm up her coffee 15 times. I've seen a thousand TikToks about the coffee warming up, but it's, you're right. It's not that funny, is it? I mean, I know why there's humor in it and I don't want to like, you know, throw, be a wet blanket, but at the same time, like you deserve better coping skills than having to exhaust yourself in service of keeping a pristine house. You just really do like you deserve better coping skills than that. And so I think it is important to see a doctor, talk to a therapist, talk to someone about this is what I'm feeling in my house. And maybe it's something simple like you said, where it's, oh, I'm just in search of a space of my own. Oh, I'm just kind of caught up in some old rules about how I think places should look. But 
maybe there's an anxiety disorder. Maybe there's some OCD. Maybe there's some of these other things happening that is sort of being camouflaged by the fact that nobody bats an eye at a mother or a woman who won't sit down or can't sit down or feels anxious. And I always say when people say like, you know, I can't let my house be messy at all because like, you know, it messes with my mental health because like a clean house makes me feel peaceful. And I always respond to that by saying like, I mean, the beach makes me feel peaceful, (laughs) but I don't feel anxiety when I'm not at the beach. Right? Like there are lots of things that make me feel peaceful where the absence of that thing is not creating anxiety. And so like, I also find like a beautiful aesthetic home peaceful, but because the absence of it doesn't create anxiety in me, I'm not tempted to prioritize keeping a clean home over other values that are more important. And I think the long-term consequences for women are that the life that we have gets smaller. So you recently made a TikTok. This is just a podcast episode where we talk about each other's TikToks. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's most of my podcast, so don't feel bad. Okay, good. Um, You recently made a TikTok that was so beautiful that was like, let me see if I can do it. It was something like, yeah, 50% of you are saying like, oh my God, your dishes are so dirty. And also you're asking me, how do you have so much time to write a book? Well, the dishes are dirty. And so when we have so much anxiety that we have to constantly be in this loop of obsessively cleaning our homes, we don't write the book, we don't run the marathon, we don't have the hobby that turns into another career. You know, we don't do the things that are fulfilling in life. We don't have the friendships. I did a whole TikTok series about female friendships and how do you meet friends as a mom? I have so many really life-affirming female friendships. I've lived in my community for 30 years. And you wouldn't believe the thousands of comments I get from people on TikTok that say I have zero female friends. And like, okay, but you're in there cleaning the house. (laughs) You know, you could be out. I have no time for female friends. I have no time to write the book. I have no time to go to a group. And I do think that the long-term consequences of having that kind of anxiety that keeps you spinning in that kind of place keeps your life that small. And it's really something that you can't tell from the outside looking in. Like, I know that there are men and women and, and everywhere in between that that their hobby is homemaking, right? Like they want to make bread from scratch. They want to sew their curtains. They want to, you know, listen, I spend an inordinate amount of time looking at decorations online. Like, I love decorating for the seasons. Like, it is so much fun for me. And I think that it's not for anyone else outside of you to judge how much time you do or don't spend attending to your home. It's just, it's for you to check in about, is this making me happy? Is this serving? Am I creating a home that serves me? Am I creating a home that brings me joy? And being able to identify, yeah, man, I love this stuff. Or no, like I really kind of wish I didn't have to do this all the time because there are other meaningful things that I would love to have in my life. And I, so yeah, it's just for each person to have the permission to explore that. Yeah. And it's funny because the normal, like I do think TikTok sometimes makes everyone feel like they have uh, ADHD or an anxiety disorder, right? There's this whole, you know, movement of people saying, I think I'm diagnosing myself on TikTok. But it also is really opening up this possibility for people that they can reflect on like, wow, you know, maybe this 
thing that I'm feeling isn't just me. I'm not alone. And I think that's something really powerful. Totally. Maybe I'm not alone in this. This has been an excellent conversation. Will you plug for people where they can find you? Well, you can find me doing non-dancing things on TikTok. So (laughs) at the Bossy House. (laughs) But at thebossyhouse.com, you can find a free workshop on setting up and customizing your command center at your house. So Go to thebossyhouse.com. If you put your email in, I will send you the link to the video. It's an hour-long workshop. And yeah. Your freebie is so much cooler than mine. I have a decluttering workbook that you can get if you sign up for my newsletter at strugglecare.com. So you guys, everybody just do that at once. Yours sounds cooler than mine. Well, and of course, you'll find uh, Casey and I, you know, dueling it out in the comments section on TikTok. That's where you'll find us. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for being such a lovely platform for everyone. It's just, it's been such a joy to be inside your comment section and to get your content. You're such a leader in this space. Thank you. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.